This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's a brand new week. Glad to have you along this morning on this Monday edition of Talk Back, which is brought to you by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. They have authentic New York bagels and pastries all the way from Little Italy, right here in Missoula, out on North Reserve. That's Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. Also brought to you by Phillips Janitorial. You need residential or or and commercial cleaning. And don't forget, no job is too big or too small for Phillips Janitorial. So feel free to give them a call and get a free estimate at 406-260-6617. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Glad to have you along this morning. Uh, and uh, we are having uh, uh, just a regular Monday edition of TalkBack with special guests in the studio this morning. It's good to have you. And that's Nick Christensen right over there. Good, good morning, mor- Nick. Good morning. Hey, how, uh, how, were you okay with the results? No. Went the exact opposite of how I wanted, but <laughs> that's par for the course for uh, the NFL season this year. So yeah. Oh well, we'll see. I'll okay. just hate watch the Super Bowl. It'll be fine. Yeah, there we'll you get go. through it. Okay, well, <laughs> poor Nick. He's, his Giants didn't make it, so yeah, you know. Anyway, we'll be okay. All right, but well, we have, we have special guests in the studio this morning, and we're going to talk about. We're not talking about uh, uh, football right now. We're talking about hockey, and so a real sport. So, <laughs> gentlemen, welcome to a talk back. Good to have you. Thank you. Thanks for now having we, us. Now, we have Rogue and we have Brett. Okay, now, Rogue, you represent Wildland Firefighters, and you, you, Brett, are with Missoula City Fire Department. Yes. All right, so tell us why we're here today. What's going on? Well, uh, we're trying to get the word out about our 11th Annual Fire on Ice hockey game. Well, it's actually two games. Uh, it's a charity fundraiser that we've been doing, and this will be our 11th year with Fire on Ice game, and it'll be our eighth year with the Wildland Interurban Faceoff game. The Interurban Faceoff yeah, game. Yeah, it's, it's, it's punny. <laughs> it's very punny. <laughs> All right. So tell us about uh, tell us about uh, Wildland Fire. What's going on with you guys? Yeah. So uh, it's going to be two games. Um, uh, the city uh, fire guys were nice enough to invite us uh, to play in the Urban Interface Off. That's the first game, and then a couple years ago, they asked us to put a team together of wildland firefighters to play in the second game, wow. which is the fire on ice game. Okay, um, It's been a really great time. They let us uh, come, um, show up, and skate, and uh, the number one thing is uh, we get to raise money for the Wildland Firefighter Foundation, as well as the uh, Missoula Benevolent Association as well, so it's a really good time. A lot of people come. Um, we raise a lot of money for both of those associations or the foundation as well. And, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. So where does that money go? So it's going to go to the Wildland Fire. Well, half of it will go to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. And that uh, is a group of folks uh, based out of Boise, Idaho, who uh, um, help uh, families of um, fallen wildland firefighters or injured wildland firefighters mm-hmm. in their time of need. Um, they're a great association. Um, I've had some experience with them in the past, um, helping out some friends and families of firefighters and stuff like that. Uh, talk about the game itself. Now, there's two games, so does it 
You've been doing this 11 years. Is it a lot of the same faces that have been playing? A lot of new faces? What's it look like? <laughs> yep, I'd say about... Does everybody still have their teeth and all that good stuff? Oh, yeah, we, we all got our teeth. Um, Mostly. Yeah, a little bit more gray hair in some of the folks. But I'd say about 75% of the people um, are returnees. Um, every single year, I'll get we'll both get phone calls of uh, people want people who come to the game. They say, "Oh, I play hockey. I'm a firefighter, wow. or a city firefighter," and um, they give us calls wanting to play. So we have a little bit of a wait list, but um, you wow. know, every year we'll probably have um, anywhere from you know on each team maybe one to three new people, new skaters on each team, and. Uh, it's a good way to get everybody involved to raise money. Is it pretty competitive? Is it pretty balanced between the two teams? Or is one typically, you know, reign supreme over the other? <laughs> yeah, no, it's competitive for sure. Yeah. We have the, the two games are two different levels. So I guess we classify them as a junior varsity and a varsity game. And so uh, the first game, it's been pretty good. I think we have the winning record at... Yep, I think you guys are at four and three. Four and three, and then uh, we've the second game, the Fire on Ice game. uh, City's lost both years to uh, the Wildland, and Uh last year was actually the first year that the city (laughs) teams got swept. So we lost both of them for the first time ever. So So do 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 I sense maybe some ringers coming in uh, at some point? (laughs) Yeah, we. There's a few, but uh, we uh, we keep it at uh, each individual player can only score two goals per game. Ah. So we prevent um, any superstars from showing up and blowing us all out of water. But uh, every single game, they've been close. Yeah, I don't think we've had, in the 11 years that we've been doing this, I don't think we've had a game more than three, maybe four goals difference. But a lot of the, we've had games go to overtime and a lot of games come down to the last minute. How long are are the each game? Is it a full 60 minute game or do you have it condensed down at 60? They're they're about 90 minutes. Um, Yeah, so we have the ice from six o'clock, which is when the first game will start on Saturday. Um, and depending on how long the game takes, the second game usually starts at 7.30. We don't have a lot of penalties or anything because any penalty that is committed is a penalty shot because right. we figure we don't need to work <laughs> on our power play and penalty kill. Plus PK, a penalty, pe- penalty shot keeps it interesting for the fans. Oh, yeah, so we fun. just stop the game, take a shot, Start it back up again. You take like a thirty-minute intermission or fifteen or something like that. Or yeah, in the first game, I think after the second period there'll be an intermission, um, and we also do some. Uh, I think in the second game we'll have a chuck a puck, so oh, everybody fun. will have these little foam pucks where they'll throw it over the glass and uh, try and get it in a bucket in the middle of the ice. Um, that's a big, a big thing that we do, and then uh, yeah. So I think after the second period in both games there'll be an intermission. And uh, try and get some of the fans involved if they want to throw some pucks over the boards and try and win some money. Yeah, awesome. Okay, we're, we're up against a break already. 721-1290 is, is our number. If you have a question for these fine gentlemen, they have headphones here and microphones, and they would love to talk with you live on the radio this morning. We have Rogue representing Wildland Firefighters and Brett uh, representing the Missoula Fire Department. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you, especially if you're a hockey player or a hockey fan. Uh, seven two, I know there's a lot of you out there considering the fact that the that the glacier ice rink is busy pretty much 24-7, right? So yep. anyway, we'd love to hear from you at 721-1290. We'll be back right after this.
Did you get a call or message that mentioned Social Security that made you feel threatened or scared? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, press you for personal information, or demand instant payment. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Don't fall for it. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to oig.ssa.gov. Reduced at U.S. taxpayer expense. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects, big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Okay, we're back on uh, Talk Back this morning. Rogue and Brett both joining us this morning. We're talking about the fire and ice uh, hockey games that are coming up. And uh, uh, I-, I wanted to ask both of you, uh, well, first of all, I want to ask Brett, uh, is Missoula Rural Fire uh, also involved in this, or is it just city city fire folks? Uh, it's city. Uh, this was mine and Chris Kovach's concept a couple when we got it started because we're both from Great Falls originally and we grew up and we used to go watch the Guns and Hoses hockey game in Great Falls which Mm -hmm. was the firefighters versus the police and it was always a big fundraiser and I guess for both of it both of us it just kind of stuck in the back of our mind that we could do something like that here and we finally got enough hockey players that we were like we could start a game and and now, now we have our own. Now, what is it about firefighters and hockey? I mean, uh, hockey hockey is a fast-moving, physical sport. Lot, I mean, lots of exertion, lots of emotion, lots of stuff going on out there. What, what, what's the correlation between firefighters and hockey? I, I don't know that there's any specific correlation <laughs> other than, than just maybe some athleticism and right. a sense of camaraderie to, you know, carry on what you have at the firehouse to, mm-hmm. the, to the locker room and onto the bench. I think that's... Probably as much of anything as that I can think of. I remember when I did an interview with Gordy uh, quite a while ago about uh, they had some openings uh, in, in in City Fire. And the fact that uh, <laughs> there are so seldom openings in City Fire that they had a, a huge amount of people applying from all over the state, all over the region who wanted to be a, a part of the firefighting staff here in Missoula. And when he described what you guys have to do to qualify... I can understand. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it, it's pretty rough to become a firefighter. Yeah, it, I mean, back when I got hired, there was maybe 25 jobs throughout the whole state. And, you know, it, our hirings are dependent on retirements. So it's not like we have a set number every year. It's whoever is retiring, oh, there's a slot that opened up. So, but we, we just have to wait and we can't actually hire more than we can actually staff. So now, what, why is it? I realize we're here to talk about the the game and everything, but but uh, tell me why that is that firefighters of of all genres, uh, both both of you gentlemen, uh, they tend to stay with it for as long as possible. But Rogue, what about you? Yeah, so this will be my sixteenth uh, uh, season uh, working for the Forest Service. Um, started out in Minnesota, and uh, just fell in love with the job, fell in love with the work, seeing the country. Um, fell in love with working with uh, different people from all over the world, um, not only on my crew, but just uh, um, meeting other folks. Been up to Canada a few times to fight fire to help those guys out. And, uh, yeah, I think it really comes down to the work and the people that uh, really keep me coming back every year. 
Have you guys reached out to the PD about maybe doing a game with them? I mean, you guys may be joining forces against <laughs> the police department. Do they have enough <laughs> hockey players, I guess? I don't know. They have. Curious. They do have a few hockey players. Um, they can they can field a team, and we actually have another tournament that they do put oh. a team in, okay. and problem is just kind of the same thing we had, which is why we have two games. It's a disparity in talent level because you get guys that have literally just started playing hockey mm-hmm. versus guys like Rogan, myself, we've been playing since we were little kids. So it, it kind of helps even out the talent and at what level they can put a team together. And hockey is not an easy sport, obviously, to just pick up and play. You can't, you know, you gotta, you gotta have been playing it for at least a little while. It's not like you guys are playing a pickup basketball game or a football <laughs> game where you just need a ball or something. Hockey, you know, you gotta have all your equipment. You gotta know how to skate. I mean, yeah, so it's it's not something you can just pick up, right? So yeah, it definitely takes some time to to start feeling competitive at hockey mm-hmm. for sure. And, but it's fun, right? I mean, it, oh, absolutely. you guys wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. Greatest, oh, yeah. Greatest sport in the world. Yeah. Okay, well, now why, why is that? Why why is that? I, because, you know, we, we've been all been watching football all this season, you know, and now the Super Bowl is set and all that jazz. So let, uh, talk to me about why why hockey is maybe even a better sport than football, for the, especially for the folks that play. Well, it's hard-hitting. It's fast-paced. Uh, it's it, a team game. Team it's, game. Yeah. And you're doing it all on a slippery sheet of ice on a quarter inch of steel. <laughs> it's I'll I'll advocate too. It's the best game to watch live by far. I mean, okay. any pro sport that you go and watch live. I mean, hockey on TV doesn't do it justice. If you go live and see the shift changes and see the whole ice and where people are moving and trying to get set. I mean, it's just so fast paced. And like you said with the hitting and everything like that. It's I mean, I I have, I have friends that. They don't watch hockey on TV. They just, yeah. But then if you take them to a game, they're just, oh, my God, that's crazy. And they still won't watch hockey, even though I try to convince them (laughs) after going to a game. But it's like, you know, they understand just as a novice fan, you see it live, especially at the professional level. And it's like, wow, I mean, this is different. So I I think this is really important because uh, in, in my many years of doing this job, I have been to uh, several uh, memorial uh, services, if you will, like out at uh, Osprey Stadium, there was a gentleman who who died. Uh, uh, well, twenty sixteen, right? 20, yep. Twenty sixteen, yep. and then and then there are others that uh, somebody gets injured, and, and we don't really hear too much about that because injuries happen when when you're out fighting fires. I mean, it happens; it's just a part of the job. But some of these more severe injuries, where uh, funds have to be raised, it's a very tight knit community. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's a very tight uh, community. Um, a lot of the folks that I've been working with um, since I came here uh, to start working on the Lolo in 2014, um, you know, there's probably the same 20 folks that I started here with. Um, I'd say about 15 of them are still here on the forest and uh, different districts, you know, all the way from Superior or Plains Thompson Falls to Sealy Lake, Missoula and Nine Mile. Um, you know, we just we just love the job. We love the people. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're just really tight-knit. I'll see them all winter long when we all kind of go our separate ways after mm-hmm. fire season is over. We'll get together at the hockey rink. Um, you know, we'll go to the gym and work out together. Um, yeah, it's just a really tight-knit community, and I'm sure that's the same thing um, over at the city as well. Now, specifically, where, where does the money, how much do you expect to raise? And is there, is there an average amount per year? And where does it go specifically? Yeah, uh, over the course since we started this game 11 years ago, we've raised 
in the neighborhood of ninety thousand yeah. dollars. The last couple of years, especially, it's been picking up. We last year we raised over thirteen thousand, but we've been over ten thousand probably the last five or six years. Yep. So we'll uh, we have a silent auction. Um, each player is required to bring a donation item, and uh, you know that can be really you know whatever. We have a really lot. We have a lot of handy folks, um, both at the city and the Wildlanders. Um, there's you know handmade dog bowls or um, you know a lot of woodworking stuff. We'll bring that upstairs to the rink, um, get that auctioned off. Um, the the Wildlanders that bring their stuff in, all those proceeds from those items will go to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation, as well as the the items that the city brings in uh, will go towards their benevolent association. Um, and we also have a, a 50-50 raffle, and then we have that chuck-a-puck, like I mentioned earlier. And uh, at the end of the night, we'll split those um, 50-50 down the middle, and, um, you know, we'll write a check for each association or foundation, and uh, those will go to help families um, that are involved or connected to those um, groups. Yeah, I guess in, in the spirit of, of just letting folks know, if I go to this, I want to make sure this is going to go to a really good cause. So what, what, what kind of things do you do with the money? Um, that can be anywhere from, you know, uh, from the foundation's uh, point of view. That can be anywhere from helping with hospital bills. Um, uh, and there, sometimes there's a lot of those, right? There, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely can be. Um, some pretty expensive hospital bills. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, food, um, hotels. If a family, um, if someone gets injured and their family is out of town, uh, that'll pay for, uh, you know, hotel bills or food, um, things like that. Yep. So this, this it's very for, important. So these are very, very good causes, very worthy, right? Yeah. And our, our benevolent fund is, uh, I guess it'd be best described as a, as a general charity fund so anybody that comes to the to the local 271 our firefighters union uh we can dole money out of that account or uh we do have a scholarship that's run through that benevolent fund also excellent we're up against another break 721-1290 is our number if you want to call in and talk about this that's great rogue and brett both taking a time out of a very busy schedule really appreciate you being here gentlemen we'll be back right after this Stop. Suck it up. It's not a big deal. Snap out. Just get over it. We've all heard it. But if you're experiencing extreme stress, it's not just in your head. It can affect your entire body because toxic stress can hurt us physically without us even knowing it. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, if you're feeling the effects of stress, we can help. Text stress to 211-211 to find a solution. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to embarrass these two gentlemen, but these are two unsung heroes standing here in our studio right now uh, because they go out there, they put their lives on the line quite literally you know, every time they go out on a call, whether whether it's a city call, whether it's a forest fire call or a wildfire call. And uh, and, and, and uh, I, we just talked about this during the break. You don't get paid a lot, right? So let, let, let's talk about the, the commitment and what it takes to be a firefighter, especially in that atmosphere. Yeah, um, on the wildland side, it, it takes a lot of commitment um, from the wildland firefighters because, uh, you know, a lot of the times they're away from home, they're away from their families for, you know, two, three weeks at a time, um, and they'll get back home, they'll have two to three days off, and they're right back out there again, um, out there in the woods, um, 
you know, in some pretty um, potentially dangerous situations. Um, safety is always our number one priority, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's nature. So it's it's, uh, it's very can, unforgiving. Yep, it can sometimes be tough to um, you know think about what it's going to do, but we plan for it. Uh, Safety is our number one, you know, like I said, priority. And, uh, yeah. So yeah. How, about you, how about you, Brian? Uh, I think, yeah, you have to have a passion for this. I I guess I can re- – I, I never wanted to be a firefighter growing up. I just kind of fell into it, into the military. And once I went through the fire academy, I was like, oh, my God, this is so much fun. And I, <laughs> I, I basically found a career. And, yeah, the – the brotherhood you have, the camaraderie with your crews, it, it, it kind of gets in your blood. It, it's fun and it's... Yeah, it's like a second family, the people that you work with. And sometimes that second family is even closer. Um, the bond that you create over the course of a season or a few years, that it's pretty tight-knit. So this, this, obviously this, this event is very important to you. We have two and a half minutes left. Let, let's talk again for those who are just joining us. Uh, we have Rogue and Brett joining us. They're talking about the, uh, the uh, Fire and Ice uh, tournament, if you will. It's coming up, the two games that are coming up. When, where, how much, well, where do we go? Yep, so it's going to be uh, February 4th, this Saturday, starting at 6 p.m. Um, luckily enough, we have uh, our sponsors, uh, Missoula Chevrolet, uh, helping us out with the ice time, and we have uh, Big Sky Brewery uh, donated some uh, cans of beer. Um, there'll be uh, $12 all-you-can-drink Big Sky beer uh, throughout the course of the night, and I believe uh, Western States Excavate Emergency. emergency. And, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we have a number of sponsors that help help put this on. And so, yeah, like Rogue said, first game starts at 6, uh, second game starts about 7.30, uh, and to quote Chris Kovach, the game's founder, if you got want to come out and see some mediocre hockey, we're the, we're the ticket <laughs> yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> how yeah. much? How much is admission? Free. Yep. Oh, so it's free. Come, come oh. on down. Cool. Always has been. Always yep. will be. Yep. Twelve dollars. All you can drink beer. Uh, concessions will be open. Um, Buy those some, foam pucks, right? Yep. Those <laughs> foam pucks. Yep. Yeah. I think chuck chuck f- chuck a puck fifty fifty silent auction. Yep. There's yeah, this is all going to a good cause, and yeah, we'd encourage you to come down. So, yeah, it gets uh, pretty busy early, so uh, make sure you show up. Um, you know, a little bit before six, find yourself a spot in the bleachers, and um, right. We hope we can uh, show you guys some good hockey, some well, good mediocre, gentlemen, mediocre hockey. Gentlemen, I want to tell you, I want to say thank you first of all for your service, uh, what you guys do. Uh, it's pretty much like I say, un- unsung heroes, but we're glad you're here. And uh, we want people to go out the, to the to the Glacier Ice Rink and spend a lot of money, and uh, so you can raise a lot of money. And we just want to say thank you for being here. Thanks for what you do, and thanks for having fun and entertaining us at the same time. Absolutely, yeah, thanks th- for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it, gentlemen. All right, we're going to take a break. Come right back. Uh, we have. Uh, Sean Manraxa from the Missoula Police Department going to be joining us in the nine o'clock in the eight yeah nine o'clock hour. We'll be back after the top of the hour news. Stay with us. Experience. This is Talkback seven two one one two nine zero or one 5309 This is News Talk KGVO AM twelve ninety and ninety eight point three FM KGVO. 
Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of Talk Back is underway, and it's brought to you by Phillips Janitorial, a residential commercial cleaning. That's what they do. Uh, if you have a, a job, no job is too big or small, so give them a call. Get, get a free estimate there at 406, obviously, 260-6617. It's also brought to you by your friends over at Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. Uh, they have all your New York favorites flown in directly from New York, by the way. They have locks, New York cheesecake, cannolis, some fabulous desserts as well. Uh, Brooklyn Bagel out on North Reserve. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Glad to have you along. Nick Christensen standing over there right by the phone. I'm ready. That's Nick. And joining us here in the studio this morning, Lieutenant Sean Manraxa with the Missoula Police Department. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Good, good to have you. Now, uh, we just got done talking about hockey, some fun, wonderful things, you know, with, with, with the guys, especially the fire departments. You're, you're here for a much more serious purpose. And we want to talk about um, just recently we received a report from the attorney general's office about uh, a number of fentanyl overdoses that had occurred in, in a very short period of time that just necessitated a statewide alert. And I understand the alert was sent to every law enforcement agency in the state. So I know you're here to kind of follow up on that. So what, what can you share about what's going on with the drug situation specifically in Missoula and the, what the police department's doing? Uh, yeah, so I'm assigned to the, uh, as the task force commander for the Missoula Drug Task Force. And so um, obviously drugs are our primary concern, but when we look at that, um, something as concerning is that the overdoses in such a short time frame, um, we're trying to find, you know, the people that are sources of supply for the drugs that are coming in. And right now, we're seeing a massive increase in those counterfeit fentanyl pills. Um, uh, they don't have um, Oxycontin anymore. So what, what um, drug manufacturers are doing, they're actually um, combining like acetaminophen with powdered fentanyl and pressing them into pills. And we're seeing a lot of these counterfeit pills. I mean, this is the first. Now, now, now the, 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 the prescription drugs are, are legitimate, right? But, yes, but these are all counterfeit. The ones that we're okay. running into are gotcha. counterfeits. So okay. they're right. being manufactured outside the regular pharmaceutical companies. So um, what we're seeing right now, this is the first month of 2023, and I think our seizures are up to nearly 10,000 or more pills that we've seized on different different distributors of these counterfeit fentanyl pills. Okay, so my first question, neophyte that I am, and naive as I am, mm -hmm. I just asked you this question before we started this morning. What is the attraction of fentanyl, or, or for that matter, methamphetamine, or for that matter, heroin, or, or whatever, right? These hard drugs, marijuana is, you know, recreational marijuana is legal now, so it's not exactly something on the back burner, but, but these, these other drugs that people want to, they want them so bad, they'll do anything to get them. What's going on? So um, when you ingest or consume these drugs, what it does chemically and physiologically, it releases large, massive amounts of dopamine and endorphins in your, into your body. And so that create, that's basically um, the reward system in your body. And they, because it releases so much of that, the, the users tend to become addicted and they crave more and more of that dopamine release. And it, your body regulates itself, so it becomes 
builds a tolerance or it auto-regulates into homeostasis over time. So your tolerance builds up and you just need more of these drugs to sustain that dopamine release. So that's where we get into the um, science of addiction and that conversation. But that's really that dopamine, that reward system that your body naturally has is what drives the craving and addiction into a lot of these drugs. How does fentanyl play into what you just said? Because you know, you compare it to other drugs, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, before meth was really prevalent, heroin was prevalent. Now fentanyl is kind of like the new kid on the block, but it's still been around for a while, but it's become more popular. Why is that? Is it because of that addiction and how it plays into being different with these different drugs or just what's the deal? Why, why fentanyl? All or, of a or, or, or is it cheap? Um, it's not really cheap. Um, it's cheaper, uh, closer, closer to the, uh, the Southern border. Um, and it gets progressively more expensive the more north it goes. So, um, you know, our, our statements from people purchasing close to the border usually get it from anywhere between 75 cents to $2 a pill. And then they can come up to Montana and sell it for like 10 to $25 a pill. Mm -hmm. So there's increased, um, but increased risk, but an increased profit margin. So, um, and then back to your question, Nick, in terms of um, why the trend um, we're not really seeing as much heroin as we used to maybe two, two to five years ago. And I think that was a business move on the part of these um, drug trafficking organizations, these drug manufacturing organizations where um, the, the overhead on processing heroin uh, is so high. And then the ability to have those shipments seized, you know, drug canines can smell it. I mean, humans can smell vinegar because it has a very sour vinegar smell. So drug detection canines. So a lot of smuggling, manufacturing, there's a lot of overhead in that. Whereas, you know, drug drug manufacturers, illegal drug manufacturers can purchase t literal tons of fentanyl powder, combine it with acetaminophen and, you know, counterfeit them in these. So they've reduced their overhead and increased their profit margin. So it, on a business scale, that's why the push I feel is been into fentanyl and versus and then heroin's just basically going away. There's there's still some heroin out there, but it's mostly just now fentanyl because it's the same same kind of structure. People who use um, stuff like heroin have switched to another opioid, which is now fentanyl, and a new one that's emerging is nitazine. Mm. Okay, with that, we're going to take a quick break. Seven two one twelve ninety. By the way, all of our phone lines are open, and this is important. Uh, this is our community. These are our kids. These are our, you know, brothers, sisters, you know, mothers, fathers, whatever it might be. And uh, people are dying because of this. And so uh, Lieutenant Monroxa is here with us to talk about this. If you have a question or if you have a comment, just give us a call at 721-1290 uh, because this, this is really important to our audience. And we really appreciate him taking time to be with us today. So we'd love to get your input and your questions. 721-1290, we'll be right back. How is it drive to school? Let me tell you. I had to get my iced coffee first. I just can't seem to put it down. My favorite rapper just announced a tour. My phone was buzzing like crazy. I'm so excited. I had to text all my friends right then to talk about it. Then someone started calling me and... Let's try that again. I turned my phone off right away. I never drive distracted. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council.
Okay, we are back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. We're talking with Lieutenant Sean Monroxa, and he's with the Missoula Police Department, a lieutenant. And we're talking about uh, the drug situation right now. And folks are already beginning to call, so let's jump right in there. And I believe we have Tim up first. Tim, good morning. You're on with Lieutenant Monroxa. Go ahead. Great. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, four or five months ago, the chief of police in Spokane had a press conference and said there were 1,500 to 1,800 gang members in Spokane. How many of them have bled over into Missoula, and what's the number of the gang members we have in, in town now? And my next question is, how are we going to clean up the Pavo Bravo Center, being the violent area that's probably one of the most violent areas in northwest Montana? Thank okay. you. Two good questions. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Go ahead, Sean. Um, I think in terms of like gang members, Tim, there's I, I think there's a few. I mean, a lot of times when we have drug trade, um, people are looking for money-making opportunities. We'll see some overlap with some of the gang members, um, you know, in terms of trafficking or a lot of our people, actually, a lot of the people that we've uh, arrested and prosecuted recently just travel themselves to Spokane. So we'll see them deal with stuff there, but not too much overlap with the gang members in Spokane coming over to Missoula. There was just a, a very large drug bust that occurred at Butte. Mm -hmm. with uh, multiple jurisdictions, multiple agencies involved in that. Um, any, any uh, 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 if you will, spill over into Missoula from that, or was that specifically what's going on just in Butte? Uh, nothing I can confirm or deny right. yeah. at this point, okay. because okay. a lot of these are active investigations with um, many different tendrils. So um, looking at it, there's usually, Montana's a small enough state, and we have overlap with several different drug task forces, and we work... Um, cooperatively with, uh, you know, the Northwest Drug Task Force, the Missouri River Drug Task Force, the Russell Country. So like, or, you know, like uh, Helena, um, Kalispell and um, Great Falls. You know, we have significant overlap, even as far east as Billings, their drug task force. Um, but we continue to work together because everybody, there's no boundaries or jurisdictions with drug trafficking organizations. So we have to employ the same. Okay. All right. Let's get Larry on the line. Larry, thanks for holding. You're on Talkback with Lieutenant Sean Manroxa. Go ahead, sir. Yes. Good morning. Uh, I was wondering, uh, with the cluster of uh, deaths that prompted this statewide alert, were those uh, people with addiction problems or were those people that uh, were first-time users or people that thought they had a prescription drug? And uh, were they located... Uh, along the I-90 corridor, or were they pretty much scattered around the state? Okay, uh, so... Lots, lots of questions yeah, there. Yeah. Um, they were pretty <laughs> much uh, scattered around the state, Larry, but I can't, I, I don't know the specifics of each case. I haven't looked at them, but what we take from that, what we glean from that is the concerning, and it could vary, you know, it could be first-time users or it could be significant um, people with history of addiction that have increased their dosage and were unaware of the amount that they were taking um, and their level of tolerance. So, I mean, our, our motto with these counterfeit fentanyl pills is one pill can kill and you never know which one it is. And since these aren't manufactured by the traditional pharmaceutical companies, you know, there's no regulation. So they could have an increased amount of fentanyl in them or less. And so I think business-wise, they're trying not to kill their customers, but the customers don't always know what they're taking. 
and that can contribute to a lot of the overdose deaths. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question. There's there's no set amount in those pills. It could be a, a large amount or a small amount, right? Correct. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate the call, sir. And we do have an app question there. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Kitty said, I heard that the drugs are being laced with animal tranquilizers in some cities. She's curious if we've seen that here or not. Um, usually I take a look at the... Uh, the crime lab reports on the toxicology when we send drugs in to be evaluated for these prosecutions. Um, I don't think our task force has seen that yet. Actually, I'm pretty sure we haven't seen that yet. But as new trends emerge, we may start to see things shift our way. You know, we're a little bit landlocked here, so it's usually the coasts that hit it first. So just like on the East Coast, there's a huge... um, influx of overdose deaths with a new drug called nidazine and it's 40 times more potent than fentanyl that we're seeing now so it'll probably shift this way eventually now these are all manufactured in labs right i mean they're 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 an artificial drug that's manufactured specifically to to do what to do to cause addiction uh how does that work um, it's actually, um, a lot of it is for pain relief. Nidazine's okay. an actual uh, pharmaceutical-created one, um, whereas fentanyl's lab-created as part of a, a painkiller um, in layman's terms. So, uh, But they're getting shipments of this and creating counterfeit fentanyl pills with it in terms of the opioids. How, how, how long, uh, because... Ten years ago, nobody ever even heard of fentanyl, right? Mm-hmm. So, so how how long and how rapidly has this grown? Uh, what, what we're talking about right now with, with, with methamphetamine's been around for a while, and then all of a sudden we started hearing about this, you know, hippopotamus tranquilizer or whatever it was called, you know, for large animals for veterinary, and and people are using it, and you're going. Why would anybody be so stupid as to do something like that? And so uh, go ahead, help me out, educate me. And so a lot of times what happened, especially with the opioid, is we had, you know, the history with opioid, um, the opioid crisis where, you know, there was overprescribing of painkillers and a lot of people switched. And, you know, when they couldn't divert pharmaceuticals off the normal market into the black market, they switched to a lot of legal opioids like Heroin, And now we're seeing, you know, with fentanyl being a painkiller that's regularly prescribed in hospitals and stuff like that. Um, but the, the powder form being put into counterfeit pills and, you know, increasing, increasing the profit margins on a lot of cartels and drug trafficking, drug manufacturing organizations. So all this kind of switches up. And then, like I said, it releases those dopamines and, you know, gives you gives your body something to crave when when you get hooked on that dopamine rush we're going to come right back 721-1290 ron if you don't mind hanging on i want to give you plenty of time to answer to ask your question and get the answer you're looking for our guest in the studio is lieutenant sean monrock so we're talking about uh we're talking about fentanyl we're talking about uh, nidazine right mm-hmm. nidazine we're talking about uh methamphetamine all these things that are in our community ladies and gentlemen every single day uh, law enforcement sheriff police Highway Patrol, you name it, they're dealing with these, finding huge amounts in some cases uh, uh, in cars hidden away. Uh, and we'll talk about that as well as we as we go on. This is a problem that affects all of us. Just because you don't see it or feel it, it is affecting our community in a major way. And that's why Sean is here. So we're going to come right back after this. 
Victor deployed for the first time to Afghanistan in 2003. At four in the morning, my phone rang. They said, I regret to inform you that your husband was wounded in action. Victor sustained a moderate traumatic brain injury. I was doing school full-time, and I was also then caring for Victor. One of the most important elements of caregiving is taking care of yourself. I just didn't want to forget that I also had goals and that I also had a life. What I did is I challenged Victor to meet me halfway. There are almost six million military and veteran caregivers across the nation. We have our own journey, and we can fulfill that journey at the same time that we are helping our loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving for a free military veteran's guide to navigate your caregiving journey and better care for your loved one and yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And we are back now on TalkBack. Again, our guest in the studio is Lieutenant Sean Manraxa with the City Police Department. We're talking about uh, the, the, these specifically fentanyl, and now we've heard about nitazine, uh, even, an even more powerful drug that is making its way eventually into Montana. But we have folks who have been waiting for a while to talk with you. Ron, thank you for holding. You're on with Lieutenant Manraxa. Go ahead. Yeah, as far as the, the trafficking uh, of this drug, uh, I'm not clear on a few things. I know uh, I heard the Attorney General say it was uh, coming across the southern border. And if there is, if it is, is there any way that uh, we can, you know, keep it out of the borders of Montana and perhaps spot some of these traffickers in an easier easier way if they fit some kind of ethnic uh, background or maybe it's a mixture i don't know i'm not clear on that is 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 there is there a profile of of someone who would be uh, a seller there's not Thanks, i mean we would like to narrow it down but in terms of our investigations it just comes from all walks of life and so what we're really doing is you know, uh, working with our federal, state, and local partners and chasing chasing the source of supply as far as we can, you know, and um, eventually when it gets too far or our span of control gets too limited, we'll end up turning it over to a lot of these federal agencies for further investigation, so. Okay, let's uh, get Jeff on the line next. Jeff, thanks for holding. You're on with Lieutenant Sean Manraxa. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, Lieutenant. Um, Fentanyl is an absolute scourge. I mean, there's there's nothing good about it, and it's uh, really, really, really affecting our community. But I recently read about another drug. Uh, it's a benzodiazepine, I believe. It's uh, edazolam, I think. Mm-hmm. That um, the one redeeming fact uh, feature, if you can call it that, for fentanyl is that Narcan works on it. Mm-hmm. But edazolam. Uh, fentanyl or Narcan does not work on it. And so you can't bring somebody back from that. And so it, it brings as much danger as fentanyl. And uh, with the added drawback that you can't, you can't uh, reverse it. So are we seeing more of, of Edazolam on the, on the streets here? And is there a trend or can you bring us up to speed? Anything on that, that, uh, folks out in the listening audience might need to know about? We're not seeing as much of that. Um, like I said, um, a lot of the drug organizations now are pushing so much fentanyl and they're releasing it and smuggling it all the way across. 
Um, so we're seeing still fentanyl being key and the price point is there. And then, you know, we have specific DEA task force groups, TDS, tactical diversion squads, which handle pharmaceuticals and um, legally prescribed medications and the diversion of those into the black market. They might see more of that, but we're handling mostly the illicit side. And right now, fentanyl and meth tend to be kings in Missoula in terms of what we're seeing in seizure numbers. So um, we haven't seen a whole lot of edazolam. May I ask you, what is what are the seizure numbers in Missoula? Uh, this being the first month of 2023, like I said, we're, we're almost to almost 10,000 pills seized from different sources of supply and distributors. Um, we had a case last week that you guys covered, um, Gwen Brown and Kendall Reel. We seized almost 1,200 fentanyl pills from them during a, during a case arrest and bust. Jeff? Yeah, okay. Uh, I would just ask that uh, if, if that changes, and, uh, I think it's something the community needs to know about. So I, I know I would appreciate knowing about that. But I, I just want to say I also appreciate all you guys are doing to try to stem this um, this blight, this pox on us. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for the call, Jeff. All right, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead, Nick. Real quick, before we take Jonathan's call, that kind of segues right into the real kind of reason you're here today. It's, I mean, we've been hearing about fentanyl, obviously, and it's it's nothing really new the past six months. We've been talking about it a lot, but you're here to kind of send a message today, right? I am. Um, ever since taking over uh, the Missoula Doug Task Force, becoming the Task Force Commander, um, I've kind of looked at the trends and looked at what we've seen in Missoula, you know, and Nick knows I was a, a drug investigator previously a few years ago out at that same task force. And I noticed some things we could work on. And so I've really assembled a fantastic team, you know, and got a lot of cooperation between the Missoula County Attorney's Office, the U.S. Attorney's Office and all these different agencies that are assigned to the task force. And now that I have a pretty fantastic team built, I mean, extremely good investigators, hard workers, um, the message that we're sending now, and we have one of the county attorneys assigned to our unit, um, co-located with us, but we will, I wanted to talk about, you know, we are aggressively prosecuting these cases. We are relentless in our pursuit of these people that are dealing fentanyl. And I mean, we work a ton of overtime just to make sure the community's safe on, you know, I think our stat seizure, our seizure stats um, speak for themselves in this first month. We are relentlessly pursuing dealers of death, people who are profiting off of pills that can kill. Um, and then we're aggressively prosecuting. I think, you know, we argued for um, high bonds uh, in these recent cases. And I think it's a community message and it needs to be a complete effort on the side of the entire criminal justice system, the judges, you know, um, prosecutors, the investigators, everybody needs to be on the same page and say, we're not going to stand for this. And if you are dealing in fentanyl pills or counterfeit fentanyl pills, we're coming after you. Well said. We're going to come right back after this quick time out. Uh, Jonathan, if you'll hang on, we have seven other lines open at 721-1290. Our guest here in the studio is Lieutenant Sean Manraxa with the uh, Missoula City Police Department. And uh, this is good news, what we're hearing right now. So they're, they're really beginning to uh, clamp down on this because it's a very, very serious problem. But if you have a question or comment, we would love to hear from you. That number again, 721-1290. Thinking about retirement? Make sure a My Social Security account is a part of your plan. 
My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can find out if you're eligible to receive benefits, compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates, view spousal benefit estimates, and more. Plan for your future. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I yeah, really appreciate all the calls coming in this morning. Uh, Jonathan has been waiting the longest. Jonathan, thank you for holding, sir. You're on with Lieutenant Sean Madraxa. Go ahead. Well, yes, I'm really glad you had this gentleman on here. I'm, I want to talk about Trimadol. Yeah, I'm sure you've all heard of that. I, I got hit by a couple of cars a few years ago, and that's what the doctor put me on. I'm just getting off now after all this time, but I'm, I asked the doctor, the new doctor I have, to get me off. He said, no, I'll get you off, no problem. And uh, I'll be off in March. That's my birthday, and I'll be off then. And But Trimadol is a very addictive drug. It's sneaky, and it's very addictive, and it can hurt you. It's not like fentanyl or like that, most likely. But it's a very, everybody's after it. I mean, you could sell it on the street, mm-hmm. Tramadol. I mean, it's no problem to sell. But what I'm just saying is there's a lot of that out there, Peter. It's not just one drug. There's a lot of it. I, 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 my neighborhood's pretty good, but at the same time, you, you, you see it. You can see it within people. You can see the actions. You can, I was lucky. When I got hit by the cars, I was in good shape to start with. So I, I come out of it pretty good. I went to Bridges. I had, to, I had some trauma. And I, I'm over all that, except. I was afraid I was going to get hooked on the trimadol. That's the drug that scared me. Other than blood pressure medicine, stuff like that, that's no big deal. But the trimadol is a very dangerous drug also. I have doctors that won't even issue it, and there's doctors that will issue it. And some of them issued a lot of it. So that's what you got to be careful for. Trimadol is a sneaky medication, too. So I thank you very much for that gentleman that's on there, because I see a lot of drugs on the street. I ride my bike every day, and uh, I'm pretty old, but i, I got to keep going and stay in shape. And this new doctor I had said, just keep going. You'll be okay. <laughs> but getting off any drug is hard. Yes, it is. Jonathan, so. it's always a pleasure hearing from you. Thanks for the call. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. All right, so uh, let's get Debbie Davis next. Good morning, Dave. You're on with Lieutenant Madraxa. Go ahead. Yeah, good morning. Well, first up front, my nephew is sitting in prison for drug dealing. He brought drugs in from, he was part of a group that brought drugs in from Seattle mm-hmm. into into Missoula area. But, you know, there's a misconception here that if suddenly we could somehow stop the drugs from coming in uh, from illegal aliens from over the border, that that the problem would just suddenly go away. But I don't think the drug dealers would, would give up on, on getting the drugs here as long as there's a demand. You're, you're absolutely right. As long as there's a demand for it and there's addiction, and people willing to profit off it, it's, it's going to continue. So unless you figure out a way to convince a population to beat their addiction or find the magic panacea for addiction and dopamine, then we're going to continue to see a supply. And then regardless of what organization doing it or what country they're coming from, it's, it's, a, it's a billions of dollar industry. Is there any, any effort to try to get to potential users and try to get them to convince convince them to stop playing Russian roulette with these, these drugs? Sometimes, you know, and the problem is that, like, they, when we're talking to them a lot of times in the early stages of the investigation, you know, their, their, their mind and their body is so fogged with that cloud of that drug that it's hard to get through that message and only until they start to taper off of that can we, you know, implore them to seek treatment, 
get out of the lifestyle and help us with our investigations. Is there enough money in treatment to, to deal with the problem? Um, healthcare is is a different topic that I'm not well versed in, but you know, people are trying to find any alternatives. I mean, in Missoula County, we do have that drug court um, through the courts and the prosecutors and a collaborative effort from different agencies with their different inputs. So we're trying to you know, go after dealers and not usually users because we understand that it's an addiction, but the dealers are the ones that are profiting off of addiction and death. Well, thank you. All right, thanks for the call, Dave. Appreciate that. Uh, sorry about your family member. Uh, let's get Larry on the line. Larry, good morning. You're back. Go ahead. Yes, uh, follow-up question. If somehow, miraculously, we were able to shut down uh, the southern border uh, what would your recommendation be as some sort of a federal policy to help stop these drugs from coming into the country? I know that with the the uh, cartels running this, I'm sure they've got backup plans if so, something happened. But is there some federal policy that you could uh, envision that would help to stop this uh, massive onslaught of drugs coming across the borders? Um, yeah, I've, I've thought of that quite a bit and just the profit margins are way too high that they would continue to push as much as they can, regardless if you shut down the borders, they're always going to figure out a way to smuggle it in and they're pretty crafty. So it's a cat and mouse game. One of the things that, you know, like I've heard from, um, think tanks and different people in that sector is, you know, listing cartels as foreign terror organizations. And listing them as foreign terror organizations opens up a wide range of possibilities in terms of companies that deal with foreign terror organizations, um, asset seizures, you know, anybody who deals with a foreign terror organization is, you know, put on a list to be able to, you know, sanction them or take away their assets or continue to deal with them. So as long as they're an FTO, we can probably deal with the companies that supply them, like the powdered fentanyl. Hmm. So uh, uh, that's something we should be talking to our elected officials about right now. Is that correct? I would think that would be the avenue for that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks right. again. I, I, I can't think of a single, uh, I, I know Danes, I know Tester, I know uh, Rosadale, uh, Zinke. They are all on board with trying to end this scourge. But... You know, legislation, it, it takes a long time to enact. There's always fighting, you know, within the ranks, da-da-da-da. And, and whatever usually comes out the other side is never really enough to do the job because of political circumstances. So, uh, really, it's, it, uh, it is pretty much the rest left up to us as, as the citizenry to be on the lookout and uh, provide as much information to you as we can. Absolutely. I mean, it's a... It's a humanity-wide effort you know everybody in the community has a part in this um you know um reporting suspicious activity in terms of you know like a lot of people dealing from the residents or different locations and everybody needs to actually do what they can to help us out and like i said my team is ready and they have been working aggressively and diligently you know regardless of the hours or the days where we just don't stand for the people that are profiting off death and destruction and it's not just the people that are addicted to it it's families when you lose a loved one you know there's so many ripple effects in terms of overdose deaths and drug cases i mean one caller talking about 
how his brother, you know, is mm-hmm. involved in that and look at look at how it affects him and that all the way down the chain. You bet. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. I was going to say, look, looking back at that case from Friday that I covered, you know, those two dealers, they they had a residence in Missoula, but they did most of their dealing outside of hotel rooms, motel rooms, Airbnbs even. And so it's like, how, how does that, how, because these are people obviously living in our community, but they're staying in other places. So how difficult does that make it for you guys to do your job when they're dealing out of these different like temporary spaces, basically. Like I said, it's it's a cat and mouse game. When they develop new tactics, um, usually somebody's somebody's in on it, and they let us know. And we, you know, work varieties of sources of information. You know, you know, just different intelligence. Um, and like mostly, our unit is less of an action unit, more of an intelligence unit. We're going out there and trying to figure out what the trends are. You know, what the tactics are, where they're coming from. You know, what their source of payments are, and so we're chasing the information and money and the drugs. And so um, it is difficult because once we start to figure out a tactic or understand it, then somebody else will switch because they know this is the things that get us caught. So let's stop doing this. And they do devise another way. So. We're, we're, it's like, like playing whack-a-mole, right? It is. Yeah, we're, we're going to come right back. Seven to one. All of our phone lines are open. If you have a question or comment you've been thinking of asking Lieutenant Sean Manraxa, please take advantage of this opportunity because every single one of you out there is important in trying to stop this. Every single one. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, business owners, uh, whatever. People just passing through. Uh, seven two one twelve ninety one. Talk about it. We'll be right back. Eight one three. Suck it up. It's not a big deal. Snap out. Just get over it. We've all heard it. But if you're experiencing extreme stress, it's not just in your head. It can affect your entire body because toxic stress can hurt us physically without us even knowing it. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, if you're feeling the effects of stress, we can help. Text stress to 211211 find a solution. Okay, we are back on TalkBack. Uh, 721-1290 is our number. Okay, a cu- couple of quick things. We have folks already lined up to talk with you. And uh, Lieutenant Sean Manrax, uh, uh, one, one question I have is what are the potential penalties? Obviously, when talking a little bit about court cases, people appearing in court, uh, what, what are the, if you get caught doing this, uh, maybe the time was it would be a pat on the a slap on the wrist and say go and sin no more that sort of thing. What what are you asking for? What are you going to the justice to, or the the justice system in Missoula asking for in this situation? Well, we really started working very very closely with the Missoula County Attorney's Office and the U.S. Attorney's Office, and so we're taking a look at these cases. Um, usually, the cases that we come across or that we mostly handle is not simple possession. You know, somebody in possession, but it's mainly possession with intent to distribute. So large amounts of drug supplies that you get caught with or distribution, you know, people that have, we can prove that have sold drugs to other people in the community. Um, so those are our primary concerns um, in terms of those cases. So, or conspiracy, people that form a group to distribute amongst themselves to other members of the community. So those are the ones and they usually carry, you know, uh, penalties of 20, 20 years in prison. All right, because it can't be a federal crime, right? It can be. And yeah. so on the federal side, uh, um, our task force officers who are deputized federally, 
um, have different federal um, statutes that they work with too in terms of prosecution. Sometimes okay. our local cases get turned into federal cases. And, and the nice thing about of a federal conviction is there's no parole. Mm-hmm. Right. Let, let's move on. Uh, Marilyn has been waiting the longest. Marilyn, thank you for holding. You're on with Lieutenant Manraxa. Go ahead. Okay, so Dan Bongino, he worked for the Secret Service at the White House. He's written a book about this stuff a long time ago, Spygate, a lot of others have. And what I'm going to say right now, I'll probably have some FBI, some people knocking on my door, but I'm not the only one saying it. Bongino exposed this a long time ago. Joe Biden, Inc., Biden, Inc., he's a foreign agent. He's been working with Albania, the FBI, the Sinaloa cartel. These politicians are going, they're getting money from this. His son, we need to go after the big dogs, the big ones. Instead, we're taking down the little guys that are addicted. Yeah, that figures. It figures. Let's get the big guys. They should be the ones put in prison and charged with treason and hung and shot. I mean, this is so terrible how he can get away with this and call himself president, take over our White House, steal our elections, going after Trump, accusing him of everything that they are doing. Hey, hey Marilyn, Marilyn, real, yeah. real, real quick. Lieutenant Manraxa is here as a representative of the Missoula City Police Department. Not a yeah. lot he can do about uh, the president of the United States. That's kind of beyond his purview. But, but thanks for the call. Well, so uh, I yeah. hope that he can do something. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, and thanks for sharing that. Emmett is up next. Emmett, good morning. You're on Talkback. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Well, earlier you talked about you know the drug dealers and that kind of thing, how you get them. That kind of answered some of my questions. Good. I know that Missoula has a very constitutional police force, it seems to me more than a lot of other cities, but I am a little concerned about the new task force. I just want to make sure everyone's constitutional rights are, you know, obeyed and respected. The last thing I want is, you know, people, some hippies driving in a van and then being stopped and frisked by a police officer and searched for drugs in their van, another hippie and another hippie. How are we going to curtail drugs here in Missoula and in the rest of the state effectively and constitutionally without any stop and frisk or profiling that's what i'm worried about i'm just you know ever since this whole scorpion unit happened and we have to get tough on violent crime on drugs i just don't need we don't need another unit you know that could violate constitutional rights it, right. it's police it's kind of double-edged sword let's, so let's let what him, do you think let's let him talk about that thanks for the call go ahead and that's part of um, what I worked on is taking over the Missoula Drug Task Force is working closely with the county attorney. And so having uh, Brittany Williams assigned to our unit and having her available in real time, being able to answer a lot of these questions and help us with a lot of that constitutionality. I mean, you know, like she reviews nearly all or she does review all of our search warrants and everything else in terms of. Um, possession with intent or distribution cases and she offers her suggestions and insights and experience with case law and training and search and seizure and fourth amendment stuff so we take that very seriously because we really don't want these cases to be tossed out on a technicality and so we don't cut corners my team works diligently to go the long route and do the hard work to make sure all our I's are dotted and our T's are crossed because there's too much at stake to let a significant dealer of death, you know, get away on 
an error on our part. Is that new, having an attorney essentially assigned to the task force, or is that something that's been going on for a while? I mean, I feel like I haven't heard of that before. Previously, there um, several, several years ago, maybe over 10 years ago, there was one, but it, it went away for a while, just different changes in personnel. Mm. And it was really something when I saw early on in my career that seemed to be very, very effective. And so I asked for participation with uh, Kirsten at the Missoula County Attorney's Office and Matt Jennings to have a personnel assigned. These cases are too prevalent and there's too many of them and we need the experience and we really need force multipliers in terms of our investigations. And you told me off air that Brittany, she's serious about this. I mean, she's working overtime too, right? Like she's she's kicking butt, right? <laughs> yeah, she, I, I feel bad because uh, getting her out there, um, I don't think she was uh, completely aware of how many hours that we actually worked. I mean, she fielded phone calls, but now she's, you know, seeing what it actually takes for the investigative team to put together operations and, you know, go after a lot of the, the drug distributors. I, I, I will tell you that uh, referencing Marilyn's call, I, I understand she was going a little bit higher than what you guys do, but the absolute importance of what you folks do on the ground, you know, you know, statute by statute, line upon line, line upon line, making sure, as you mentioned, all the, I, the I's are dotted, T's are crossed. Make sure that that thing is, is solid, rock solid, going into a court, even if it's just justice court or then district court. If, if all those things are done, then you have a reasonable expectation that that individual is going to be off the street. Correct. And that's what we're looking for is keep them, keep them out of the game. And we're working these conspiracy investigations where we don't just, you know, it's not a onesie twosie of dealers. We're looking at the entire group that has a hand in it. And we're actually looking into um, the fentanyl deaths investigations now, persons responsible for dealing fentanyl that cause an overdose. We're looking into ways to approach that to, to add to our, our, our box of tools to be able to investigate these and prosecute people for that. You bet. We're going to come right back. Uh, we have Doug, a Harry, and an app question. And we really appreciate your, your, your willingness to spend this time with us. We'll, we'll be right back after this. How is your job to school? Let me tell you. I had to get my iced coffee first. I just can't seem to put it down. My favorite rapper just announced a tour. My phone was buzzing like crazy. I'm so excited. I had to text all my friends right then to talk about it. Then someone started calling me and... Let's try that again. I turned my phone off right away. I never drive distracted. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. They were back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number. A very uh, powerful hour program uh, with Lieutenant Sean Manraxa uh, with the Missoula City Police Department. I believe Doug is up next. Doug, good morning. You're on. Hey, Peter. Hey, Sean. Um, hey. Just a couple quick questions here for say the listening community here sure. i know on the the people that listen to the program are a little on the older side and they may have somebody in the house that might be a grandson granddaughter or even their son or whatever in the house that is using or aka could be dealing mm -hmm. um what signs would you implore them to look for um just to help, obviously, their own, I mean, might be their family members or friend or whatever, help them out to get it, like, turned over to you. Who would they get a hold of? Who would they give it a, a contact to? And then uh, part two of the question that I had here is, um, is there anything the community can do for you guys? I mean, not just 
us looking at you like make all the right decisions, but what can we do for you guys to help you guys do the best job that you can? And I'll just listen off it. Doug, you're hired. <laughs> Two excellent questions. Go ahead. So the first question, some of the signs, I mean, it's individually, it's different in terms, I'll break it down into people that are usually using. So we'll go on the addiction side, you know, um, they're in terms of opioids, you know, there's very lethargic and they start to, you can see them physically kind of deteriorate. And um, a lot of times uh, acute opioid use, we'll see what we call being on the nod where they're just dozing off like in regular day-to-day activities, you know. Um, paraphernalia is a really big indicator, burn foils, syringes, pipes, and stuff like that, or snorting tubes where they ingest it nasally. Um, so seeing paraphernalia and identifying it correctly with type, what type of drug that is, that's usually an indicator because as much paraphernalia as you use to ingest it, it's usually somewhere around. And they'll try and be discreet, you know, throw it in different trash cans, bury it other, way, other ways. So... Um, paraphernalia is a huge indicator. Um, and then loss of money. If you're short money quite a bit, you know, if they're in the house, then you routinely come up short of cash or there's different things and missing being sold at pawn shops to fund their addiction use and stuff like that. Um, dealing, you know, wealth and signs of wealth, uh, you know, they get a new car or they have, you know, newer, newer, newer shoes, newer, newer clothes and all this other stuff and hanging around with a group that you don't feel you know, you get those tingles and, uh, that and you know, they didn't sense. get a raise. Yeah. And so they're, they're hanging out more. They're on the phone a lot, or they step away to take phone calls a lot because they're trying to be secretive about it. So those are usually indicators or a lot of foot traffic, you know, short-term visits, you know, coming to the house, popping in for five, 10 minutes and leaving. I mean, if I want to hang out with Nick, I'm usually there for an hour or more. <laughs> we, we, we have, well, we have three you, minutes yeah. left. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Nick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with these three minutes, I know you already mentioned it kind of around the 930 mark, but you're here to send a message. So for those that maybe missed that, I was hoping you could kind of go over really why you're here today. Yeah. Um, like I said, I've assembled a fantastic team of great investigators and individuals from state, local, and federal agencies and the county attorneys and the U.S. Attorney's Office and we are aggressively prosecuting offenders that distribute um, not only fentanyl, but all sorts of drugs. So, um, and then we're relentless in our pursuit. I mean, we worked several, um, my, I myself, you know, working with different operations going on last week, you know, worked over 20 some hours of overtime. So, you know, 20, 25 hours of overtime, making sure that we are doing what we need to do to keep the community safe. So, and the other investigators have about the same, if not more, because they're the case agents. So relentless pursuit and aggressive prosecution in terms of the entire criminal justice team. So so people driving around right now, listening to this program, uh, they're saying, okay, uh, what can I do? What can I do to help you? Keep my eyes open. What, what can I do? If you see something, say something. You know, we have different avenues. We, The Missoula Police Department has the online tips. Uh, Five Valleys Crime Stoppers has the ability to report online or just calling in on some of the activity. I mean, we'll take a look at it. If it amounts to things, then, you know, that could be the missing piece that we're looking for in the investigation into some of these drug trafficking organizations. So um, just report it. And even if you think it's trivial, it might not be that trivial because we're the ones collating and we're the focal point for a lot of that intelligence and information so is is there a phone number and an email that uh, somebody could just put in their phone right now and say okay if i see something where, where i want to say something so what do i do just call call 911 what should i do 
Uh, there's not an emergency number at the police department. You caught me slipping here a little bit. I wish I had the Five Valley Crime Stoppers. And, but there is, Missoula Police Department does have online reporting um, in terms of drug tips. The non-emergency line is 406-258-3452. Again, that's 258-3452. So you can always call that number. Good deal. So, Sean, uh, what, uh, we have a minute left. So what, what, what is your final message to our listeners, all the folks listening to you right now who have been thinking, man, this, this is a terrible thing happening in our community. So go ahead. Uh, a lot of times it's just understanding and having some empathy, too. You know, people that become addicted, you know, they come addicted for a variety of reasons. And we're not necessarily after you, but we want to get to those people to keep your sons, your daughters, your brothers, your sisters, your mothers, your fathers, and any of your family members or friends. We want to keep them safe, but the only way we can really make that impact is getting information on dealers and having the community as a whole support us in terms of, you know, not looking the other way in terms of people distributing or people using sometimes too. Sean, thank you. Appreciate you being here today. All right. And thanks for the, all, all the hard work your team is doing as well. Tomorrow, Nick, what's coming on? <clears throat> we're going to have county talk with the county commissioners. It's our weird schedule, so we're going to be on <laughs> live at 730 to 830. So be ready for that. Have a great day, everybody.